Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Bump, do you think you might owe LeBron an apology? No, I don't owe him an apology. Are you positive I'm you positive. don't owe LeBron James owe LeBron. an apology? I don't owe him nothing. Like, okay. he don't owe me nothing. But I will say uh-huh. that uh-huh. I grew up with a huge bias, obviously, with Kobe Bryant. And I was forced as a young man to choose who you riding with. You riding with Kobe, you riding with LeBron, and then Allen Iverson was in the mix at that time, too. So my whole life, I've grown up not really wanting to accept what LeBron was doing. I've always respected it. I've watched his game. Yeah. I've been, we were talking about in the sports pit. I've watched him since he was in high school until now. And I must say that after seeing him break the record last night, it made me reflect and appreciate him even more. Not my cup of tea. Still not my my cup of tea, not my guy. I was talking to my boy. I go, his style of play just isn't appealing to my eye. But I listen to J.J. Reddick put up a heck of a fight for him. I'm listening to all these other great basketball minds. And, yes, LeBron is one of the greatest. Some might call him the greatest to play the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't owe him an apology, but I do owe him a bit more of recognition than I that I more than I do give him. In case last night you were sleeping under a rock or busy, you know, um, catching up with, uh, I don't know, Real Housewives, as I was briefly. Um LeBron James broke what seemed to be an unbreakable record, that being Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record, which has stood for nearly 40 years. He initially set that record in 1984, 38,387 points. Last night, LeBron needed just 36 points. He entered that game with 38,352. He ended up getting it with a few minutes remaining in the third quarter, and like the game stopped, celebration for good reason, he finishes the night uh, 13 of 20 on shooting, seven rebounds, three assists, three steals, 38 points. Uh, so still a, a great night for him. But, I mean, let's relive that moment. LeBron James, a shot in history. talking about this is like a couple days ago would you ever pay for a ticket specifically to go see a record broken and I was like no I'll go see two teams I like play to two quarterbacks to uh you know star point guards like whatever it is like I'll I'll go you know watch them play uh no I take it back after watching this moment on tv I was like I'd love to be there in person to see something like that yeah that was um it was bigger than what I expected and it was fun watching him go get it. He did it efficiently too. Thirteen of twenty from the field. Still has some rebounds, some um, some rebounds, some rebounds, um, some dimes. He was talking to his kids when he had sixteen mm-hmm. points. Should I go get it, LeBron? You knew you were gonna go get it. You ain't gotta ask your kids. You knew you were gonna go get it. It's when you're so good you can tease. Yeah, you you know yeah. Should I do it? And his kids are all calm. Yeah, go get it. Like it's nothing. They know their dad is gonna go get that thing. The thing that got me too is the way that L.A. embraced LeBron. Mm. I think that was the first time. I felt like L.A. saw him as a true Laker in that moment. Of course, when you break a, or pass a milestone that that was so much prestige, like that last, like um, like the points, 
You're going to look at him a bit differently. And seeing him do that in a Lakers jersey was bittersweet for me because I love Kareem. I wanted him to do it. I think of Magic. I think of Kobe Bryant, Shaq, and all those guys. And to see him do it in a Lakers jersey um, made it hit different. The The vibe that I got from the crowd, though, is that L.A. finally embraced him as a Laker. Uh, but um, it was it was cool to see. And it made me respect him even more because that's a lot of buckets, man. 38,000 yeah. points? Come on. Dude, I know. And again, the Lakers didn't get the win. But if, if you were to ask a random person, you know, hey, tell me about that uh, game where LeBron broke the record, they'd be like, I don't remember who won. I don't remember if OKC won. They did, 133 to 130. But right. who cares? Sorry, OKC. The night was about the Lakers, the losing team. But their star player, LeBron James, uh, and one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest star in the league, obviously goes into the history books. Um this may also stand as an unbreakable record. The one Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, set stood for uh, one year shy of 40 years, which is just absolutely insane. And uh, there are some records we like, we now like hesitate to call unbreakable because you really never know if it's going to happen. But man, 20 years for LeBron to to reach that milestone. I don't know how many guys can find that success for that extended period of time, like two decades of greatness. And did it with so much pressure. Yeah. The golden child. He's on Sports Illustrated. He's on Slam uh, magazines growing up. I was watching him in 2002, 2003, high school. I didn't watch any high school games besides the McDonald's All-American game on ESPN back then. And LeBron came to L.A. and played one of our, our best teams in L.A. at the time, Westchester High School with Trevor Reza on that team, a couple other guys who made it to the NBA. And he made it look just so simple, so easy at that time. I can compare LeBron to other players and say Curry has a better jump shot. Irvin has better handles. Kobe had better footwork in the post. Um, You can break down his game. Michael Jordan was defensive player of the year. And you can do that with every player. And that's what I've done for 20 years because I've been a Kobe guy. But when it's all said and done, he's put the ball in the hoop more than anybody who's ever played in the NBA. And you got to show some love to that. It was nice to see him with the family. And nothing about LeBron is he's never been in trouble. He's never been in trouble. He's been with his girl since high school. He's been a model citizen. So it's deeper than just basketball. So to to see him do it, the way I felt in that moment was not the way I thought I was going to feel. I thought it was going to be a little bitter. Like, ah, uh, you yeah. know, it's LeBron. I respect Sitting but, there like Kareem, just yeah. sipping some drink. And Kareem was sipping, low, a drink. sipping that haterade for they a little bit, They had the Kareem cam. I wanted to split screen the entire time because Kareem kept it kept it classy in the end. You, yeah. you know, it was yeah. like, hey, you know, he's smiling. He's, you know, congratulations. And and LeBron did as well with like, hey, give it up for the captain. Like, but you could, t- I, t- there were times Kareem looked salty and yeah. I don't blame him because yeah. I think he was. <laughs> he did look a little salty. He looked a little salty, just a little bit. Cause I'd be like, man, I, I went 40 years at the end. That and there's like you and Curtis were talking about it. There's just an interesting generational divide uh, with basketball that exists really in any sport. But does it especially exist with basketball? Yeah, because with basketball, basketball is the one sport where a guy can like physically dominate a game. He can take a game over, and the style has changed drastically throughout the years. You got your 80s basketball. Go back to 60s. You got the 60s, Belonna Russell. You got the 70s, Dr. J. You got 80s. You got MJ, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, the Pistons. You got 90s. That's all Jordan Sprickling, some Houston, some Spurs. You got the 2000s. That's the Lakers and Pistons. Like You can go back. 50, 60 years and break down each generation mm-hmm. and have two or three players that you identify as the guys in that in that decade. In other sports, it's, it's just it's harder to do. 
So um, there's always going to be argument. And anyone who's a LeBron fan now, when they sit down and talk to me and we're going back and forth about who the greatest is, you got ammo. Because LeBron has done something that Kobe has never done. Um, the the points being scored, the assist, he's fourth in assist. Um, it was just, he's had a great career, and he ain't done yet. He's going to play until his son makes it. There's something to be said, too. You mentioned it earlier. Curtis has mentioned it about living up to those expectations. I am not drawing parallels in any way, shape, or form other than to use two local examples uh, with significantly one with lower expectations uh, than LeBron, certainly. But how many times have we seen young prospects, young players, guys out of high school, guys out of college that are supposed to be saviors of programs, uh, saviors of teams, the next, you know, Michael Jordan, the next whoever, and they don't live up to it for any number of reasons because being that kind of talent is rare, right? I mean, it's not just like locally we've talked about like, oh, Jared Kelnick, high expectations, he couldn't meet them. Julio Rodriguez, high expectations, he met them. Wow, like what goes into that? Like what in in one player isn't bad or wrong for not doing it. It's just the human condition, right? Yeah. Either you aren't as talented, there's a mental hurdle, there's uh pressure from outside, there's um, you know, an injury that sidetracks you. Like for whatever reason, we have seen so many people come into any any of the leagues, any professional sports league, with sky high expectations that they didn't meet, and it's not because it's a fault of their own or it's bad. It's because it's so rare for that to actually happen. And you watched that happen time again and time again with LeBron, and it was again last night where you're like, he did everything people thought he would do. Everything, everything. That's pressure. There's a kid who grew up around here, Jacob Eason, Gatorade mm-hmm. Player of the Year. Goes down to Georgia, has a great freshman season, supposed to be one of the top five quarterbacks drafted eventually. Things don't work out. He gets banged up. He comes UW. He's still in the NFL living out his dream. But that's an example right there. There was no doubt in my mind that that kid was going to play in the NFL since I saw him throw a football and he's in eighth grade. I'm like, oh, he's going to play in the NFL. He's going to do his thing. But it just doesn't work out that way for everyone. It's like it's less than a 1%. It's 0.00001% of the time, the guys who come in with all this hype figure it out. I played with a guy, Randy Estes, when I was in California high school. He went to uh, Los Alamitos High School. They were the number one team in the country. We played them on ESPN week number one. They beat us. I'm watching this dude play. He's just on a different level. He's the best player in the country by far. Mm. He's supposed to go to Washington State. Some things didn't work out with other schools. He's going to go to Washington State. Everyone's crowning this guy. He's going to be the best in the country, best linebacker, best running back. He's going to the league. Things happen in his life, and he fades away. It never uh, amounts to what we thought he was going to be. That just tell you how, tells you how tight of a line you have to walk, especially kids nowadays with all the social media and stuff. Goodness gracious, if you are a highly touted athlete, it's going to be even harder for you than it was for LeBron. Well, because not only that, but you, now you're going to see what everyone else is saying about you. Yeah. Like the worst superpower, I think, would be uh, being able to read minds. Because most of the time, people aren't going to think nice things about you. Right. Right? Like it's not in a mean way, but like if you're in the spotlight as an athlete, people are going to be critical. It's just either they're going to be like, wow, you're a god, or it's going to be like, you sank this team and you did this. Why'd you make that play? Because it's easy to sit from afar and do that. We literally do that for a job. And Mm -hmm. it's all in good fun. It's all part of the nature of sports. Half of what sports is is debate uh, about all-time greats and debate about achievements and having fun with that. But like, as the subject of it, I can't imagine that hearing it is easy. And Mm -hmm. so now there's that. Right. It's one thing to, you know, when LeBron was starting, it's there's versions of, you know, like being able to see stuff online about you. But for the most part, it's like, is there an article about you? Okay, I can read it or not. Right. Now 
oh, yeah, I got 500 people tweeting at me that, you know, like uh, uh, Joseph Asai, right? After that play, this is very different, but after that play in the AFC Conference Championship, oh, now I have thousands of people tweeting at me mm-hmm. that I should quit and I'm horrible. Like, I know people say brush that off, but like, God, there's so much pressure on athletes. Yeah, lots of pressure. Everyone thinks, I don't think everyone thinks they can do what athletes can do, but everyone has an opinion about what they're doing and how they should do it and what they could have done and should have done. We don't, or or a lot of people in their industries don't have that same type of pressure. You know, I'm looking at cubicles right now, and half of the people I'm looking at are not publicly critiqued. They actually do the critiquing. You know what I'm saying? You sit behind your keyboard or your mic like we're doing, and we're paid to critique these guys. So if you're able to have the career that LeBron has had, you handle all the pressure. Mm-hmm. You don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, I've seen I've seen LeBron go down an escal, uh, escalator that's going up to avoid females. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how disciplined this man is. Like I'm not even walking by those females because I don't <laughs> want nothing to pop up on TMZ or whatever. He had to live a different life. You don't have to like LeBron. Me personally, I prefer the mentality of Kobe Bryant. But I understand that LeBron is a good person, good husband, has done great things. But you look at the numbers in me, a Kobe guy, a guy who wasn't excited when he came to the Lakers talking about LeBron, and you have to tip your cap and say, he got buckets. And some people are saying, well, Kareem didn't have the three-point line. No, he didn't. That's just how the game goes. But again, it that's changes. how sports is, right? Yeah, like, how changes. many times are you going to say when new sports are set in the NFL, when it inevitably gets to 18 games? Well, he did that in 16. Well, he did that in 14. So stand about Geno right now. Yeah. He did, he did it in the 17. Yeah. Is it his fault? You're just playing the game. It's the era. You don't make the but, rules. But also, I mean, LeBron was playing against teams that also had three point shooters and more. You know what I mean? Like, so you have to, like, you are also playing in a league that's adjusted where, uh, like, guys are amazing athletes in different ways. So yeah. if you're a quarterback in today's NFL, I'm doing a cross-sport analysis, which is dumb, but if you're a quarterback in today's NFL and you're saying that whatever record isn't impressive because you did it in more games, well, you're also playing against legitimately like faster defenders, bigger, stronger, faster guys. Yeah. And I can't quickly think of the equivalent for basketball, but like there are other unique challenges to particular eras to go along with any advantages you have. Yeah, every era is different. I mean, you could say the golden era for – basketball was the 90s and 80s where you can play more physical, but those guys per capita aren't as skilled as the guys that we're seeing today. You can say the three-point line changed the game. Yes, it does. You still got to shoot that thing and put it through the hoop. There's always going to be arguments, but that's what I love about sports, too. There's arguments for everything. We can debate for days Mm -hmm. about anything. That's why we are here. That's why you are listening. That's why you're texting in all the LeBron hate because that's what sports does. There's so much LeBron hate. And now I think some of it's like political. Like there's some people that are like, I don't agree politically with LeBron because LeBron's open about his beliefs or open about things that happen to him. Okay, cool. I don't agree with Nick Bosa. got 38,000 points. Yeah. That dude's a baller. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm still going to be like, dude, there's nothing. Like he is an amazing player. Um, well, we get people texting and they're like, oh, he broke the scoring title and they don't play defense in the NBA anymore. It's like, yeah, they name, do. name me one other player that's come close to Kareem's record. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can't. Exactly. No one sniffed Like, it. just recognize. I, th- this is the thing, man. It's like 
I think that we want to recognize accomplishments of athletes within our generation. And maybe in 20 years, if someone ever breaks this record or if someone sets some other record and I have these fond memories of players that I watched, I'm the same way, right? Maybe I do the same thing where I go, well, when I was watching and when this happened, these caveats existed. But guess what? Like, this is an amazing feat. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy having watched something historical last night. That's why I love talking sports with my dad because we'll go back and forth. Well, back in the 80s and all this stuff, it, it makes it fun. Um, are we about to move on? Because if we are about to move on, I got something I got to say before we move on. Yes, yeah, Um, Jennifer Bumpus, I love you. I'm not going to say how old you are today, but today is your birthday. Uh. I appreciate you. <laughs> I stayed up until 3 a.m. making a gluten-free cake for wow. you, boo. That's how you know I love you, girl. <laughs> Happy love. birthday. That's love. Let's get to headline rewrites. <laughs> extra, extra, read all about it. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. You know, gluten free gets a bad rap. It's not. It's not that bad. It's actually. really not that bad. No. Curtis, what do we got? Headline number one: The Kraken had their doors blown off by the Islanders. It was a 4 nothing shutty, mm. but on the wrong end of things. What's the real headline? Real athletes are just like us moment happening now. Dreading that first day of work back from vacation. We've all had it. You know when you need a vacation yeah. after the vacation, a couple Kraken players went to Cancun. You just need like the couple days to get right before you hit the ice again. Just like you need the couple days to get right before you come into the office and sit in a chair. Very different jobs, but both very taxing. You need you need that liquid IV. They didn't drink that liquid <laughs> IV. Exactly Get those electrolytes, man. We know what y'all's doing in Cancun. That little sippy yep. sip, my tide, chilling on the beach. Corona commercials all day. Welcome back. Get back into it, boys. Liquid IV. Hydrate. Um, by the way, Andy Eyed, Kraken Insider is going to join us at 1030. Do you have more uh, oh, learn that hockey phrases? You know I do. Should we not spoil it yet? No, not spoiling it. Okay, I'm I can't wait to hear to them. It. Bump has been, um, we've been learning that hockey. Yep. And uh, every time with Andy, we have new, like, hockey slang words that we're learning. Yeah. And I've loved it. My Pigeon has been my favorite so far. <laughs> Duster is a second favorite, but more coming at 1030 with Andy. Yep. What's next? Headline rewrites. Headline number two, college football insider Brett McMurphy reports that Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov is visiting with SMU today in Dallas. What's the real headline? Look, if you're complaining about these expansion targets, I need to remind you that beggars can't be choosers. That's not a headline a lot of you are going to love, but it's a headline that's keeping it real. Because I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, when I was thinking of expansion uh, for the Pac-12, you're thinking of big targets. But guess what? SMU, SDSU, they're they're good programs. They have good histories. Um, like, it, you need to expand before you can cement this media rights deal. Do you want to do it or not? Pac-12. You are in a world of hurt, and you got to get better. I'm fine with these schools potentially being added in, with these schools being the top targets. When you think of the West Coast, the first state you probably think of is California, right? And then you narrow it down to Southern California. There's no way you have a Pac-12 division and not have a team represented in Southern California. You have to go to San Diego State. I know it's not attractive, but it makes complete sense. You got to hold down Southern California. Now, SMU, I'm looking at them and I go, man, I haven't heard much about SMU in the past few years. Seven and six last year, eight and four the year before, seven and three year before that. But they have had one of the best offenses in the country. Top 14 offense in the country last year. Top seven passing conference in the country last year. Sounds like a Pac-12 
team to me. Also, tap into Texas. You're what? We broke it down with the seventh best school over there in Texas. Texas is big. They got a lot of athletes. Don't yeah. trip. You can get your third tier athletes over there. It's not the sexy pick. But at this point, you take whatever you can get. ESPN is looking for that fourth window. It's like the 10 p.m. start. Um, and the Pac-12 becomes more attractive with more inventory. Inventory, F- SMU, San Diego State. It is what it is, folks. Yeah. Uh, Curtis, you have uh, have been, understandably, uh, honestly, along with us, critical of uh, the Pac-12's uh, expansion decisions at times. Did you like or dislike hearing that the top two expansion targets were SMU and SDSU? Uh, it, you did love it. Feels it feels like there have been bigger targets that have been out there that the Pac-12 just missed on. And now the other conferences have swooped them up. They're kind of like, uh, what's left? How about SMU? Anybody uh, feeling strongly one way or another about SMU? Yeah. yeah, no? Okay, well, we'll try and see what's up with them. Yeah, it feels like the Pac-12 has why did, missed the boat on a lot of con- conference expansion. Why did they miss out on some of those other schools? Uh, well, with BYU, they didn't want to add any private religious institutions, um, which is funny because now they're going after SMU, which is exactly that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also they don't want to add Boise State because it doesn't meet their academic standards, which you've got a conference with ASU in it, so that <laughs> kind of flies in the face You'll of that. You'll always take a shot. Exactly. Uh, they, they've kind of it, they've made no sense in, in who they've targeted for conference expansion. Headline rewrites. Headline number three, the Raiders have granted Derek Carr permission to visit with the Saints in order to work out a trade. What's the real headline? Going from Vegas to New Orleans. Sounds like a college kid deciding on spring break locations. <laughs> We're here for it, Derek. Party! Let's go! <laughs> Although Derek Carr doesn't seem like a partier. Big family guy. Uh, he's religious. Religious man. Yeah. I don't think Derek Carr's doing any Mardi Gras celebrations or hanging it's out in Vegas. He lives in Vegas and could be <laughs> His Mardi Gras looks like my kids' Halloween when they go through the church. Everything is isolated. You put a nice little room, controlled environment. Yeah. You know, there's some t- type of spin to Mardi Gras. You're doing something else for beads. You get beads for waving. For waving, for a smile, and Hi. saying, God bless you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, we are going to get back to the Pac-12 conversation a bit later at 1045. We're going to tell you more uh, about the news on that expansion and the news on the media rights deal uh, that's connected to that. College football insider Brett McMurphy, who had this initial report about those two schools, is joining us at 11. So lots of college football coming your way starting at 1045. Before then, we are heading to the NHL for some cracking updates from Andy Eide. We're also going to learn that hockey. Some new um, hockey slang coming your way, too. You'll like these. Don't go anywhere. Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle's Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. All right, joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, Kraken Insider Andy Eid. Andy, before I even get started, I don't want to pit Bump on the spot, but Bump does have some... No, we're not doing it now. We're not doing it now. Okay, just kidding. Um, Bump says hi. Uh, Andy, (laughs) I say hi. (laughs) We're going to start then. We're going to start then by talking about the Kraken's unfortunate loss to the Islanders last night. Back from vacation, back from the All-Star break, and they kind of have the uh, doors blown off, losing four to nothing. Uh, What happened? What'd you see? And uh, and, uh, let's tell us about this start, jumping back into the season here. I'm not sure that they were off vacation. I think they might have mentally yeah. been on vacation. Uh, you know, that can be tough going and playing a tough road game after whatever they had, 10 days off. And most of them, 
spent the, you know the, their off time in Hawaii or Mexico pretty relaxed. So you know the New York Islanders played the night before, so they they kind of got their juice going. It, it just looked like they were just a little bit out of it. They after the game they all said they were like a step slow or, or just they couldn't generate energy and that's you know we I think you hope that that's all that all that was was just they they needed the day to kind of get back into hockey. But yeah, they, they I mean they had it they had it maybe a first good ten minutes and after that it was pretty lethargic energy and, and uh they didn't generate much all night. Andy, is that a sign of a young team or is that pretty common coming off the all star break and going on vacation? I mean these guys are human, they are professionals. Um yeah, wh- wh- how do you assess that? I, I, I think it could be I think I think you see a lot of teams be sloppy. Right after their break, I mean, Tampa Bay lost their night seven to one, which or something like that, which they never do. Uh, so you do see that in places. I don't think it's necessarily you know the experience or anything like that. I think it's just uh, you know, like like you said, they are human and, and having to all of a sudden, you know, we we've all been there, right? After a long vacation, you go back to work. It's maybe not your best, most effective day at work. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think I think there's a lot of that going on last night. Uh, all right. Tell us uh, where this team is right now. Um, do you see them making a move before the trade deadline? And tell us about who they recently added. Uh, yeah, I don't know that they'll. I mean, I think they will look to add something. I don't know that it's going to be any kind of blockbuster. Mainly because I, Ron Francis, uh, his you know his mo has been to, to kind of the slow build and build to compete for a long time. And I don't think he wants to give up uh, any kind of you know draft. You know, like a first round or anything like that, that would, you know, be requiring a blockbuster. So, uh, we saw them bring in, uh, Jason Megna, the defenseman from San Jose. He played last night. You know, not, not the best start for him, but again, he'd been with the team one day and, uh, you know, he had to go out and find some pants earlier in the day because he got traded. He was in Tampa Bay when the trade went down. So he was only, he only packed for Tampa Bay. Uh, so yeah, he's a big defenseman, six, six, uh, yeah, you know, I think he adds some defensive, uh, de- you know, depth to the blue line, which you could always use. You know, defensemen are kind of like relief pitchers in baseball; you can never have enough of them. Uh, you know, but he so he's, he's got a little bit of experience under his belt. Uh, he played with Eric Carlson in San Jose, which is which is a good experience. Uh, you know, he's thirty years old, so uh, he's six six and two twenty. So he's a big body, uh, which he can use well uh, to to help with, especially when Justin Schultz is out right now. They're a little thin on defense, so picking him up was a good pick. But uh, and that's kind of one of, the, one of the, a move like that is one that we thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. A, a depth defenseman was definitely on their their radar. So you know you could see the Navy look for a depth forward here on out. Uh, but I, I would be surprised if we see anything that involves like a household name. Andy, they started off the road trip on a bad note, four zero loss to New York. Now you got New Jersey, the Rangers, Philly, Winnipeg. These next four games, what's a good outcome? What record are we looking at? And, and when we come back west and say, okay, we're good to go. Well, it's pretty tough. You know, I think if they end up with three wins out of the five, that's that's very well, that's very good. Uh, this New Jersey, New York back to back nights are going to be tough here this weekend. Yeah, Philly. Yeah, they play. They play Philly a Sunday Super Bowl Super Bowl Sunday in the morning at 10 a.m., which that time is, it might be a problem 10 a.m. to get the body going, especially for a West Coast team. Uh, the Philly Philly is very beatable. Uh, Winnipeg is very good. <laughs> they ended up with. It's a tough little road trip that they that the schedule makers handed them right off the break. But uh, I think if you can get three wins out of this, that's that's excellent. 
Uh, hey, some injury updates here. Hoping. Uh, what's the latest on Andre Burakovsky, who obviously left last night's game, and then Justin Schultz, who we're still kind of waiting to see again. Yeah, we don't know. Burkowski played 21 seconds last night and then kind of a non-contact injury, which scared him. You know, he yeah. was just kind of skating and he turned and, and kind of hunched over. He's got a lower body injury. We don't know yet how long he's going to be out or what kind of diagnosis. Uh, he practices today, so maybe we'll hear some more. Uh, Schultz, Schultz did practice on Monday, so that's mm-hmm. good news. We, you know, he's on the injured reserve. Last I heard it was week to week, but uh, the fact that he's back on the ice uh, working out is – Definitely a positive step. Andy, what's the most common injury in hockey? Because, you know, you guys don't give us too much information. Lower body, upper body, <laughs> body sniffles, <yeah. laughs> you know, head hurts. <laughs> like, what's the most common injury? Yeah, they're, they're very uh, – the upper body, lower body happened a couple of years ago. They got real stingy on any kind of any kind of details of what somebody's injury is. I think a lot, a lot of times you'll see leg injuries, uh, knee injuries, hips are, are a thing that, that get injured a lot. Sometimes we get shoulders, you know, getting hit into the boards or, or falling on the ice on your shoulders uh, will, will can cause some injury. But those are, you know, then, then you see like many veneers, you see the, the, the head injuries every now and then when somebody's headed to the ice or, or, the, or the glass. So it, it, those are probably the most common ones that you'll see in hockey. Why is that? Why did they do that? Was that like a players union thing or like a, a league change? Yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, especially old school. If, some, if, if the other team knew that you had, like, a hurt wrist, they're going to go after your wrist mm-hmm. <laughs> from then on out. So it got changed, just the, the generic upper-lower body. You look at this uh, this team, um, and you compare it to the first half of the season. If there's something you think they're best at, it's something they need to improve in this second half, what, what would you say? Well, I think we saw last night that the, the puck management and your own end, you know, the turnovers – Led to some goals last night, and that pops. That's not a consistent problem for him, but it does pop up every now and then. And when it does, you see the results uh, we saw last night. So I, I think they just I think they can be a little more consistent in how they manage the puck on their own end. It's going to help the goaltending. It's going to help the defense. Uh, it'll generate offense, uh, and, and that's that's one thing I would look for. Uh, you know, the goaltending has gotten better. I still personally would like it to be just a little more consistent. Uh, you know, Philip Grubauer, however, has been really hot of late, and so if he can keep that up, that'll be good. Uh, but for me, it all starts on the defensive end and how they take mm-hmm. care of the puck in their own end and, and avoid those costly turnovers. Has the Kraken's issues with goaltending been the product of not having the right uh, personnel or the, or the talent not having the right ceiling, or has it been an execution and, and kind of a confusing lack of consistency? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, Philip Grubauer is an interesting person. You know, before he coming here, he was he was top notch. You know, he, I think his career save percentage is nine fifteen or something like that. He hasn't hit nine nine hundred since he's been here. Part of it is due to the personnel in front of him. You know, goaltending is often a product of the team in front of him, but not always. You know, last year it was just kind of a nightmare. It felt like they turned the puck over like crazy, and every time it ended up in the back of the net. You know, you really like to see some some you know some unexpected saves every now and then. You know, so it's going to be interesting. It's been getting better. It's better this year. It's improved a little bit as they've improved as the team. Uh, but it's still, you know, you still have nights like last night. You still have nights like uh, back in December against uh, Edmonton where they gave up seven uh, and, and three of those were the first four minutes. So you still have nights like that every now and then. But it has been improving. And if it can keep that upward tra- trajectory, they're going to be okay. All right, Andy, it's my favorite part of 
our interview. It's time to <laughs> learn, learn that, that hockey. Let's go. Hey, Andy, <laughs> who has the best lip lettuce in the game, past or present? <laughs> wow. I'm hearing these words for the first time. <laughs> I, you know, I have to think about who has, you know, you know who's like, who I don't like is, uh, Austin Matthews has kind of a creeper mustache. I was going to say, is this mustache? Mustache. mustache. Uh, yes, that's, that's, I'm assuming that's what you mean by lip lettuce. Hey, yep, yep, lip lettuce. <laughs> One more I got for you. Are, uh, are cellies frowned upon? Is, is there such thing as going overboard? Cellies means celebrations. You know, okay. They used to. The, the kind of the old schoolers just, just say, put your stick up and, and be that. You know, but I think the younger generation are, are doing more you know, more, oh, maybe, well, it used to be considered over the top, you know, you had Alex Oveskin when he was younger, like, you know, warm his hand over a stick after scoring a goal. You had things like that going on. So I, I don't, I don't think that, I, I, why, why, why would you not want to have fun? You know, you scored a goal, it's a big call, so enjoy it. I don't think there's anything that's really over the top these days. Exactly. Andy, we are all cut from the same cloth in that sense. We love a good Selly. <laughs> Here to support any good Sellies from the Kraken because goals aren't easy to come by. He is Andy Ide, Kraken Insider. You can read his work at seattlesports.com. Thanks so much, Andy. Thanks, Andy. My pleasure. I good one. All right. That was Andy Ide on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. The Kraken are taking on the Rangers on Friday. That is the next game you're tuning in for. It's Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. The Pac-12 is setting its sights on expansion with two new schools. We'll tell you everything thing you need to know next. Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. The Pac-12 may be setting its sights on expansion with SMU and San Diego State. And a new media rights deal may need to wait until after expansion is secured. Here's what you need to know. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov is visiting SMU today, according to Brett McMurphy of Action Network. Uh, McMurphy's reporting that not only are SMU and SDSU top expansion targets for the pack but also that the pack needs more members and inventory before they can wrap up a media deal cbs sports reporting kleovkov already visited with sdsu so smu is the second visit also according to cbs sports it's expected that more than half of pac-12 football games once they reach this media deal will be primarily available via streaming we already kind of expected this but now we're just waiting to see which media partner will carry them something we may not know until after they expand Bump, what do you make of the news today? The most interesting part of that is the streaming deal. The Pac-12 gets most of their sponsors, their money through cable. That's where most schools, the Big Ten, the Big 12, SEC, cable is where they get most of their money, most of their advertising. So now they're trying to make this shift to streaming. And projections say in five years, most games are going to be streamed. Does the Pac-12 get ahead of this and say, okay, we want to be the first one to have the bite, a bite of this apple or a bigger bite of this apple. We're going to get ahead there. But if it fails, if it doesn't go that way, projections don't work out, then the Pac-12 looks silly for another five years. We've had 10 years of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Just make the right move. So then I think about SMU and San Diego State. People are going to say, why not Boise State? You missed out on BYU. My main concern right now is you got to take care of Southern California. L.A. is gone. L.A. is gone. UCLA gone. USC gone. You have to make sure you're still able to recruit Southern California kids. And if you've ever been to San Diego, it is the prettiest city in our state, excuse me, in our country. And uh, I would love to move there and be there and be around that. That's your selling point. You can get talent from L.A. to go to San Diego State. 
We look at their football program, hasn't been the greatest over the past few years, but we have some familiarity. We got Rashad Penny who went there. You got Marshall Falk. There are some names you can associate with yeah. San Diego State. The history just, no one's ever going to compare to UCLA and USC. So then you talk about SMU. You think SMU, not a great football team. The last thing you remember is when they got the death penalty in like the 80s or 90s no, or something not lie, like that's that. That's what I remember. Right? That's, that's the first thing that popped in my yeah. head. You look at SMU and you go, okay, now there's an opportunity to tap in to the talent in Texas. I'm a California dude. I played against high school dudes from Texas, from Calif- uh, from from Florida. They're different, straight up. Even their third-tier athletes can come up to Washington State right now and do their thing. So now you have an opportunity to, to tap into that. And some, the thing about SMU is, too, they throw the football, right? Number seven passing offense in the country, not just in their conference, in the country. They will throw the football number 14th. Uh, offense overall. So there's opportunity there. That sounds like a Pac-12 team, a smaller type school, mm-hmm. throws a football across the yard. They're going to put up some points. This isn't what you wanted. You wanted bigger names. But sometimes you go to the club and you shoot your shot at the 10 and she's out your league. And you know what? Is yeah. the 10 like Boise the ten, State? The 10, not even like, Boise State. The 10 was USC. USC, the, UCLA. That the was, 10 was, was 10. like, Trying I'm, to convince him to stay. Yeah, exactly. I'm leaving. You know? I am leaving this club. You're, you're relying on your personality. And, you know, and, and it's just not hitting. And then it gets later in the club. Had a couple drinks. Last calls at one thirty. It's oh about my it's God. about one fifteen. Now you're just looking across the room like eye right, eye contact, <laughs> eye contact. That's all you need at this I see point. it right there. there SMU. Go. Boom. Locked in. SMU. <laughs> Boom. Locked in. San Diego State. Let's make some magic happen. All the people <laughs> left the club. That's is where they are right now. That's where they are. Curtis, are you disappointed that SMU and SDSU are the only two left in the club? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of disappointment because you view the Pac-12 as one of the Power Five conferences, right? That's what we've been told our entire lives. You have the visions of Reggie Bush scoring touchdowns, and mm-hmm. you got you know UCLA basketball being what it is, and all these other great programs that have been, uh, you know, so you know, part of what the Pac-12 is as a culture and whatnot. And the worst thing about all this conference realignment is having to look at the landscape of the Pac-12 and being like, maybe we aren't on the level of the Big 12 or the SEC or the the Big 10 or the ACC. And uh, that's been a hard reality to, to cope with over the last couple of years. And bringing in SMU and San Diego State, I don't think elevates the profile of the conference to get it back to where we consider, where we used to consider it. Yeah, I think that's the way... The way I think about it, Curtis and Bump, is that I used to think like, okay, we've had to accept for a long time that the Pac-12 is not on the level of uh, the other Power Five conferences. However, it was this year? It, well, well, yeah, they had a lot of somewhat, top twenty-five, yeah, AP top twenty-five ranked football teams this year, and they've had great uh, basketball programs, men and women's. Um, but uh, I think I thought, well, if they expand with the right schools, they can build back up. And I hate thinking that it's like, okay, let's just lower the bar and get to that. Like, let's get to be like, you know, the worst of the five. And I just, because there's just so much talent here. And I hate that they've been missing out on that talent. And you're right. Getting a school in Southern California helps with that specific issue. It's not about going to get a school that everyone's tuning in to watch. It's about recruiting and it's about location. I would say with both of these guys, you're right. They have to look at this as an opportunity. I know. <laughs> it's like I'm talking to my kids. Like, ah, it didn't work out, but opportunity to learn, to grow, to build. You can bring SMU in and San Diego State in in the hopes that 
you can build these programs up in five, ten years from now with something else. Right now, it's not the attractive pick, but that's where we are. This is what I do want. They need to get a deal done with ESPN. We talk so much about how people on the East Coast don't stay up for the games. That's not going to change. They're not going to stay no. up and watch these games. We cannot force these people. So what do you do? You sink into who you are. You are the conference that's going to have games kick off at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, excuse me, Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern time. And there's a slot on ESPN for that, what they call the fourth window. You take advantage of that fourth window. You don't want anybody else. You don't want the Mountain West taking that window. No. You take that window and settle in to who you are as a conference. It is what it is. The more people see you, the better you can recruit. That's why we are where we are today for the Pac-12, because you started your own network. Thank you, Pac-12. I appreciate your employment, Pac-12 <laughs> Network. All right, But you made it hard to find. ESPN makes it so easy to find. Uh, I know that some of you are wondering, well, where does Gonzaga fit into the realignment conversation, specifically when we talk about men's hoops? Well, we're going to talk about that and learn more about all of this from the man who had the report, Brett McMurphy. He joins us next to talk about the future of the Pac-12. Don't go anywhere.